Meet 2024's most anticipated robot vacuum, Eufy X10 Pro Omni. With powerful 8,000 PA suction and MopMaster's dual mop pads, it keeps your floor sparkling clean. It's the winner of five Best of CES awards, and Digital Trends says it boasts almost all the same features as robot vacuums that cost twice as much. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Which one is that? That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. That's... Yeah, they have asked for that, really. Uh, you can laugh, I want to walk up. I'm a little bit of an idealist, but having said that, I want to be like me. But you don't know what you're talking about. What did you want? I'd like to stay alive for six days. I'd say it to your face, and I'll say it to you now. I'm down to Anfield, and we'll see them, won't we? What you doing down here, you surely man. It's the Irish Times Second Captain's World Cup podcast. You join us on a rest... I can barely even utter the filthy words. I'll say it, on. I'll say it. It's a rest day. It's disgusting. It's also, I suppose, what you could say real life is like. We don't want to talk about that. We've got to be strong, though, Murph. Let's confront this head on. If we can attack today and tomorrow, yeah. like the USA took on Belgium, with a bit of luck and many, many Tim Howard saves, mm. we can make it through to Friday when the quarterfinals begin. There's only seven games left. What did I, I, don't, I don't even know why I mentioned that. Well, actually, it's eight. It's eight games. The third and fourth press playoff. But mm. I mean, we're not getting that ready, are we? I mean, it's, it's basically over, is what <laughs> I'm trying to say here. I mean, it feels like, yeah, sure, there's, you know, there's... What is it? What is it? Eleven more days left, but it's over. there's a bit of life in the old dog. Surely, quarterfinals, semi-finals. Has there ever been a more unlikely star of a World Cup match than Tim Howard? Well, I mean, he was playing in goals for a pretty bad team against a really good attacking team. So, I mean, it's not. I'll tell you who's a more unlikely World Cup hero is our man John Brooks. If you remember him from two years ago slash two weeks ago that was something that happened earlier in the tournament I can't I can barely remember what happened last night there's only so many American heroes that you can process at any what happened to that guy time. <laughs> yeah, like, they brought him in they got a couple of players back fit and yeah, John Brooks bombed out, out of it uh, never to be seen again but I mean <laughs> hey listen if he's if that's all he's left us then you know it's a pretty it's a pretty good did you uh, see Vincent season. Company's tweet yes it was two words respect hashtag Tim Howard yeah I mean, yeah, that's, yeah, I mean, it. I'm not going to be the guy that says, you know, only three or four of his 39 saves or whatever the hell it was were actually really good saves. But I mean, a lot. the Belgians were hammering the ball at him a lot. And I mean, he managed to not get out of the way of a lot of those. A good use of his feet. Though. That's what I was going to say. And a lot of Very goalkeepers use don't use their feet quite as artfully as he did. So I'm yeah. everybody loving the use. I was quite impressed, aside from Howard, with... The composure they showed after they got their goal in extra time. Suddenly, I know they threw a centre back up front, but they were playing a lot of intricate football and yeah. trying to get it up there. And the free kick routine, was, what was going on there? Was do you think that the ball say the the ball went to the left of the wall and then it zigzagged into the centre again? The ball from the left hand side back into the yes. kind of the D there. 
was that ball meant for Clint, De- Clint Dempsey or was it meant for the guy who was over the free kick and then sort of ran around to the right of the wall? You're one of these people I hate. You're what? one of these people where something amazing happens and you say... Well, just look at it again. That's because everyone was kind of saying what an amazing free kick routine it was. I actually think Clint Dempsey wasn't the intended recipient of that. I'm sorry, Owen. I know it's the rest day. I should be You're the same person who was saying... Who, who, I can't even remember who now, scored that flick the other night. Who scored that back heel goal? Oh, Andrea Shirley. Andrea Shirley, yeah, yeah. You're one of the people that... Did Shirley mean that? No, well, he definitely did mean it. Of course it. And I just did. realised I rained on Tim Howard's parade and now I'm raining on their <laughs> yeah. brilliant free kick parade. And already we need to up the energy yeah, levels I, and the I'm positivity sorry, here sorry, because sorry. everybody's... I've really... I've blown mm. it. I've blown it this morning. I, and I apologise. Mark, well, oh, I should... I should probably do this now, right? I should probably mention now that there's another small piece of bad news. <laughs> so this is terrible. Oh, yeah. It's not only is it a rest day, it's also a no Ken early day on the podcast. Normally when somebody tells you they're stuck in traffic, you think that's a pretty lame excuse for missing an appointment or an interview. Yeah. I'll see you in 10 minutes. But a traffic jam in Rio is no laughing matter. He's somewhere in the middle of a 100 kilometre stoppage. Yeah. I, I, basically, he, was, he got a bus from Sao Paulo to Rio de Janeiro. It was an overnight bus. He woke up expecting to stretch and yawn and walk out into the Rio de Janeiro sunshine. And um, yeah, he's 100 kilometers from, from Rio. Uh, some sort of truck accident, which has him marooned basically in the middle of Brazil. So no Ken early today, but that's fine. We can, we can plow on regardless. Mark Wilmot, Will Motz, I should say, has been talking big. Yeah. Uh, after the game last night, and his team didn't exactly march triumphantly through the last 50 minutes of that game, lest we forget. Uh, was asked about Argentina his next opponent there's a lack of balance in that team Argentina for once we're not favourites but we want to win that's all that matters they play with five defenders so we'll have to be creative I have everything in my head already don't worry we will deal with this Argentina as a team Argentina play very low I don't know how they'll be able to deal with us Uh, (laughs) you gotta love that though you know I mean people might slag Mark Wilwatts off I mean this is what we want our sports people to say I like it let's get over to Brazil yeah you can laugh that was the World Cup Emmett Malone joins us from Rio. Emmett, great to talk to you, first of all. Hi, yeah, how's it going? Good it, to talk to you. Yeah, it's going really well. You've heard the Mark Wilmot's incendiary quotes there ahead of the game against Argentina. I'm just interested, I know you've seen Argentina in the flesh in this tournament, so would you share the confidence of the Belgian coach there that the Bel- Belgium don't really have any anything to worry well, about? I'm not shocked by the fact that he's trying to talk his own team up, but uh, I wouldn't be enormously confident that, uh, that, that, they'll, uh, that they'll kind of undo Argentina or that Argentina are so, so easily undone. But... Um, I don't, you know, Argentina defensively haven't looked, you know, completely the 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 the, the full deal so far. I, the game I saw them against was uh, in the flesh. Was Argentina, or sorry, was um, Iran. And um, oh my God, Iran could have had three, four goals in the second half. And I think anyone, uh, any manager, will not or anyone else showing uh, their players uh, videos of that game um, would be would be pretty encouraged by the number of chances that were created and the way that you can hit them on the break. Um, and uh, I, it, had it not been for uh, uh, um, uh, Romero that they, uh, they they would certainly have conceded a couple of goals. So you know there's there's, there's opportunities there, but uh, but I think Belgium, if you look at them the way they they um, the way they sort of folded in the in the closing stages of the game against the United States, um, they they conceded an awful lot of chances themselves. The Americans, you know, you'd feel sorry for the kind of spirit they showed, but certainly they let themselves down on the finishing front and had really very few complaints at the end of the game. So, you know, if uh, the Belgians play like that again at the back against uh, uh, this Argentina side, then clearly it's going to turn ugly for them. His argument 
Wilmot's after the game was, well, I know people say we haven't played football yet in this tournament, but look how many chances we created, look how many saves they had to make, which is maybe a fair point. They did create a hell of a lot of chances. It, sure. it, it struck, it started to remind me of the Ireland Liechtenstein game from 1995, actually, where one team just, I thought the ball was never going to go in. It did in the end, but you sound like you'd be more worried about Belgium being quite open against Argentina. Well, I certainly felt in the closing stages that they, they well, whether it was simply that they ran out of steam, but uh, the Americans were opening them up pretty much at will and had uh, three, four chances. Um, I had two or three of them one-on-one with the goalkeeper where, where he really should have scored in, in every instance. And, um, you know, I just think that, you know, you can talk all you want about how, how vulnerable Argentina might be uh, at the back, and it's and it's true. There there are weaknesses there. Um, but clearly, uh, attack is 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 their, their uh, long suit. Now, I mean, Messi has been terrific so far in this competition. Again, going back to the Iran game, which is the one I was most familiar with watching others on TV. Um, but in that game, they they created a lot of chances and didn't put them away. Um, uh, really, uh, I mean, the Iranian goalkeeper played quite well, but he wasn't uh, he wasn't as busy as he should have been given the the amount of possession and the number of chances around the goal. So, you know, look, I I think both teams um, would be looking to kind of step up again. Argentina have a bit of momentum behind them. I would just feel that the way that Belgium finished that game, um, you would have concerns about them at the back. The trend has been very obvious in the second round games, Emmett, and that is that these lesser teams give the the bigger nations a hell of a game and very nearly shock them, yeah. but none of them seem to get over the line for whatever reason. Is there is there any common thread there? Is it just does, does it just happen that well statistically usually the bigger team is going to win? Well, I think there is an element to that. I think as the stakes get higher, uh, the experience, the fitness, um, the, 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 the kind of mental strength of the, uh, of, the, of the bigger team starts to tell. I mean, the two, the two games that uh, like I've seen most recently, um, Brazil, Chile, um, you know, Chile, Chile gave Brazil an absolutely terrific game, but, uh, but were kind of ground down in the end and, and, and the penalties. Um, you know, it was just literally almost top toss of a coin stuff, you know. But France, Nigeria, if you take that game, um, Nigeria started well. They played quite an attacking formation, which was probably dictated to some extent simply by the available talent they have. Um, but Stephen Keshi sort of, you know, he picked a team that sort of went for it. They created chances early on, had a goal disallowed for for a, a, an offside that was tight, but it was offside. Um, France could have had a couple of players. Well, one player certainly sent off. Um, the Nigerians felt it could have been worse than that for them. Um, but ultimately, they they completely ran out of steam. The last half hour, they were simply overrun by a French team that was really kind of uh, gaining in confidence, momentum. They were running them, running around the Nigerians at that stage, who had just who, who were just tired and and their heads had gone down. And you know, I, I think that that can happen against the lesser teams. That said, as you point out, like I mean, they have they they've been remarkable matches. <clears throat> in almost every case, they've been very tight. So many going to to extra time. If you look at the quarterfinal lineup, you you would you know have a clear favourite probably in in each one of those four. And yet, you know what we've seen so far suggests that that they'll all be tight games again. Does it remain an incredible World Cup after these second round matches, or did are you the type Emmett who uh, are you a traditionalist in the sense of you know what you need is goals, goals, and more goals? And we haven't had too many of them in the second round. Yeah, it's true. But I mean, look, I, I mean. The, the 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 France Nigeria game wasn't wasn't a great game. It was it was a disappointment. Is is by, by some instance the uh, the poorest game I've been at so far. But um, uh, you know the Algeria Germany game was a cracker, and uh, it wasn't uh, laden with goals, but it was it was so interesting. It was terrific to see the way Algeria tried to really take on the Germans, um, really really kind of close them down, play a very very positive game against them, and 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 it nearly paid off early on for them. The balance of the whole thing swung. Germans ended up dominating. The Algerians hanging on. I, I thought it was really very exciting. Um, <clears throat> 
Greece and uh, uh, Greece and, and um, Costa Rica was another game that I really I didn't have very high expectations of. Um, uh, the Greeks, you know, have been the kind of villains in these tournaments for a few years now. They don't play great football. People are kind of generally happy enough to see them go out. But it was it was a really thrilling conclusion to the game. Extra time was fantastic. So you know, it, it, it hasn't kind of hit the heights of uh, the first some of the first round opening games. And as you say, there haven't been the goals. But uh, I think there's been some really fascinating contests and some really really exciting conclusions. Yeah, and the quarterfinals look great. For just France Germany is the one I wanted to touch on here. You mentioned Germany yeah. there. There was such a rabble in the first half against that year. I think. She People were just absolutely shocked with how poor they were. Uh, what's your reading of their chances against France? Can France exploit Germany's weaknesses in the way that Algeria did? Yeah, I, <clears throat> I think it's going to be interesting to see. I, I mean, the, I think that, it, it, you know, um, Didier Deschamps picked a team yes, the other day that um, uh, had uh, uh, Olivier Giroud up, up front and Benzema out on the left-hand side. And, and this is something that he's repeatedly done. Uh, he likes to accommodate Giroud. He really likes him as a player. Um, but for me, it didn't really work. Uh, they didn't create very much. Um, they seemed to be just at, at cross-purposes the whole time. There were a lot of poor balls, people making runs that weren't expected, people making passes for runs that didn't happen. It was it was pretty terrible stuff for, for large periods of time for, for France. And uh, really kind of, uh, you know, the, the thing only kind of you know, improved significantly um, in the second half when uh, when um, Deschamps brought on Antoine uh, Griezmann and took off Giroud and moved Benzema into the centre. And they were they were a very different team from that point on. Uh, they pushed on. They were confident. They created chances. Um, they looked like uh, they they knew what they were doing. And Deschamps was asked about it afterwards, and you know, reacted a tiny bit tetchily as as you would expect to, to the suggestion that he'd made a mistake in his team selection. Uh, but I don't think he did. He views it as a uh, as a mistake. This is 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 a kind of preferred starting line of, of his, as far as I can see. And if he does that against the Germans, I think they, they will struggle because I don't think they will put the German defence under all that much pressure, uh, certainly if they play the way they did against Nigeria. And they need to do that because that is clearly the weak point in this German side. Um, that said... <coughs> I think in midfield we've seen Pogba, you know, really, really come of age in this tournament. He's looked terrific. Uh, Kabai played well the other day. Maturity to uh, to a certain extent. Uh, I, you know, it's a decent French side. They can test them, but I, I really think if they don't get it at the German uh, defense, which you know clearly um, Love is 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 knows this is a weak point for him. He's he's, he's tried to change things. He's he, in the early stages tournament. He's gone for this thing of of having four centre backs. Nothing's really worked. They haven't been convincing in, in any of their games really, apart from. Portugal when they when when they were you know so far out of sight by the time Portugal started playing it didn't matter um, so it's an interesting game but France have to play well and Germans have to be poor at the back again both of which could happen but um, my, my my hunch would be the Germans all right just lastly the tournament as a whole I, mean, I don't know what your experience of it has been so far it certainly seems like well just about everybody has enjoyed it I assume you have to yeah, uh, I, it's the nature of these things, and it's not a complaint at all. That you know, you get to uh, you get to a certain amount of games, and uh, particularly in the early stages when the games are coming so thick and fast, you don't get to see nearly as much as uh, you'd like. And, and I've, I've you know, uh, talking to yourselves or talking to family back home and guys in the office and everything like that, people are raving about this game and that game, and and, and, and you know, you tend to have your head down buried in a laptop, and you're you're catching goals and you're catching bits, and you're trying to get an impression of the games or watching re- re- replays of them later on. It's it, it's like a tidal wave. 
wave uh, um, at times, but it's been a tidal wave of, of really great football. And, um, and you know, the games I've been at, by and large, have been terrific. Um, the Brazilians, uh, who I saw against Chile last week, it was, it was uh, just an immensely enjoyable game in so many different ways. It was, there was a hint of madness about it, but um, uh, te- technically it probably wasn't the greatest game of football ever, but to be there in the stadium, it was wonderful, and it was a really a real battle, you know. Uh, I've seen a couple of the other contenders, Germany play well against Portugal, Argentina, you know, played not so well against uh, Iran. Um, but, but, you know, just generally as an experience, it's, it's been fantastic. Uh, the, the, the country so far has pulled it off pretty well as well. I mean, it's, it, there were so many doubts about, you know, all the things that might go wrong here. Uh, so far, it's, it's, it's been good. It's been really enjoyable. And if, if they can maintain this, the teams that is, as well as the Brazilians, uh, into, the, into the very final stages, it will be something of a, a triumph for them all. Yeah, if Brazil stay in, I think we're, everyone's going to be all right. But listen, we'll leave it there. Emmett Malone and Rio, thank you. Thanks, Alan. Cheers. Hairdryers is a metaphor for the current of hot air generated by a furious blast of temper. The hairdryer with which uh, Alex Ferguson was famously associated. He threw a hairdryer, I think, at David Beckham. Oh, no, he threw a hairdryer at David Beckham. <laughs> uh, in the, is that right? No, 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 no. Great stuff there. You can read Emmett's work uh, from Brazil in the Irish Times. It's funny how exposed the defence looks. And Emmett didn't mention Neuer too much there, but how your goalkeeper actually has to play as an absolute lunatic. I mean, what the way Neuer plays is crazy. It's not yeah. really... I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure if a goalkeeper really should be required to do everything that he does. Last man back, effectively. It is last man back. He's playing last man back. And he tends to... The amount of his turn in goal has lasted for the last... 15 years yeah. of his career. That's basically what Manuel Neuer is having When having they had that, with. they talk a lot about the blueprint they put in place in German football 10 years ago. I think they forgot to include pacey defenders in that. They've yeah. got a lot of technical players and forgot to develop fast. Anyone who doesn't yeah. need less than a you know square mile to turn. Dion Fanning was in Sao Paulo to see Messi give that ball to Di Maria last night. Poor Di Maria did score the goal, which should probably mentioned as well, but he's ready to talk to us now. Dion, uh, I don't know if you took it as in any way significant that the celebration, Messi was, first of all, he passed on the responsibility to Di Maria. He went over, he celebrated with him. So even though we kind of are fairly aware at this stage that Messi exerts undue influence within the team, at least there's not, he's not totally egotistical. Yeah, but I, I, I don't think, I think we're kind of further down the road with Messi and Argentina now than to, to think that if he celebrates with them, then there is, you know, he is still a, a kind of egoless player, you know, sacrificing his own his own talents for the, for the good of the team. Because I don't think that's the way it is with him. Uh, and I don't, you know, the the, the counter argument is why should he sacrifice his talents? He he is the talent. He is their talent, and uh, that was clear yesterday. Um, but it, it perhaps in a kind of in a in a sort of debilitating way for the rest of the team that, that didn't seem really pe- to be able to play with, with him. They just wait for, for Messi to do something. Uh, and in contrast to the way Switzerland played with Shaqiri, uh, where he was, he, you know, he, he's not as great a player as Messi, obviously, but when he got the ball, he, it, was, it, was, it was a starting point for lots of for things to happen rather than when... Uh, you know, you look at the move even for Drimnik, Drimnik's miss. Uh, it was a lovely, you know, uh, lay, layoff and then Shaqiri's ball through. And those kind of things happened a lot more for Switzerland. They looked like a cohesive side. Whereas when Argentina had the ball, it was so flat, it was so stagnant until Messi got it. And then 
uh, it was a question of, of waiting to see what Messi could do. Now, he did lay it off for Di Maria for that, for that one. But again, that was almost a, a consequence of the way Switzerland defended. And they were, if you look at that run again, the way they're dropping back and trying to close off the space for Messi, uh, it would have been crazy for him to try and beat any more of them. But um, he still is you know, <laughs> their only hope. Is it possible that that's going to be enough, given what you've seen of the other top sides in the tournament, it's, and especially in the second round where we've already been talking a little bit about how how close many of the teams came to going out. Maybe they don't need much more than what they have at the moment, Argentina. Well, the the, the conversation any time you know we sit down with a couple of journalists here and, and you sit and you kind of start talking about the World Cup, uh, and you know most of us get things wrong most of the time anyway. But I think when you start talking about who's going to win, the, win this tournament, nobody can f- figure it out because uh, what is making it brilliant is, is the absence of, of a great team. It may, may, maybe it would be an even better tournament if there were two or three great teams. But I think what's making it so good is that there isn't a great team. But the, and, and you're seeing that in, in, even, though, even though all the group winners have gone through, you're seeing that in the, sec- seeing that in the second round games uh, and figuring out which one of them? Which one of them has got the least flaws? Is is the tricky thing, and it's going to be. It maybe it's impossible to figure out. It's going to be a series of random events, and uh, <laughs> and at the end of it, who, who knows who's going to win? I think. I I still think. Uh, I think Argentina have enough to. I think in this tournament, Messi is enough for them to get to uh, to get through. But equally, Belgium are a better team than Switzerland, and. They could cause them more problems than Switzerland did, so they may be they may be going out in the quarterfinals. Yeah, well, Mark Wilmot certainly thinks so, given how he was talking after the press conference. But are we maybe doing a bit of a disservice to Angel Di Maria here, who clearly doesn't quite have the class of Messi, but he has a hell of an engine on him. The guy was still going well into extra time, still shooting, and eventually got his goal. And given how knackered so many players look in this tournament, coming towards the end of games, maybe that, as, as it was yesterday, maybe that could help Argentina out in the quarterfinal. It could do, yeah. I think, um, and the fact that Belgium also had a had a grueling game against the USA isn't gonna isn't gonna help them either. So, it, you know, Di Maria's uh, capacity for work is something that's going to stand to. I think they just lack uh, a bit more quality. Um, but I think in this tournament, you do want there is a sense of wanting Argentina to get through the same. It, I know it's it's kind of different for people when when you're here. Brazil, Colombia is the other example where people probably feel Colombia with, with good cause are the, one of the best teams in the tournament. But Brazil going out, Brazil going out in the, in the second round would have been awful. Um, I think quarter final, even even now, people like if you're here, you'd still want Brazil uh, to stay in it and, and get through, and ideally a Brazil Argentina final. It's funny, Dion, the way we're talking about the Argentinian players because we're talking about guys at, at big clubs, Di Maria. Higuain has played at the very top level. Um, Aguero, when fit, it, I, I find it quite interesting because the comparison's always made to, to 86. But in this case, the on paper, the attacking players were expected to be fairly, you know, fairly effective around uh, around Leo Messi. Have you any idea why that? Have we just overrated a couple of the players that are playing with them, or is is, is it all about the system? Um, I think I think th- there's a bit more. I think a World Cup, it's, it's very hard. You know, as much as it's, it's wrong to, uh, you know, you've seen how, how often in the past clubs have, have made mistakes buying players on the back of big tournaments. Could, the, the reverse is true as well. The, you know, big players and good players don't necessarily 
uh, have ha- have good tournaments. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. But when it comes to a big tournament, you know, you'll find that those big players who have been involved in a lot of club matches have had. You know, De Maria kind of disproves his point as the way he's running and, and playing. But when when they've had a lot of, of club commitments, some of those players are are more exhausted than players who come into this tournament with. Uh, with, with 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 this being their their sole their their sole focus and Messi is interesting in that because he's playing during the season with Barcelona a lot of time it was said well maybe he's he's saving himself for the World Cup he's he's playing he seems to be playing within himself you know I know I know the stats about how he's running and how much he's running and things like that but there is also a sense that he he's he's sort of playing within himself. Uh, even you know he doesn't need to run around to be effective, but he, he he's kind of he's just waiting for his opportunity more than he, more than he ever has in the past, um, and that's a kind of fascinating thing. And whether that is then also feeding into into the way the other players are 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 playing, if they think well, this is all going to come down to Messi anyway, um, I don't know. But it, it is it is um, it is one of the imponderable you know the, the the strange factors in this Argentina team that. A side that everyone thought would have a huge amount of attacking flair and be vulnerable at the back actually just looks kind of you know like you know ten guys and Messi. Dion, you mentioned earlier on that it's important for Brazil to stay in and maybe to beat Colombia, at least be there for the last four. If they weren't to go through, would there be consolation in Argentina beating Belgium because the atmosphere the fans create certainly looks amazing on TV? Was it good to witness? Yeah, well, it was. It was. Uh, you know, I never knew. Um, there were so many Swiss uh, fans in Brazil until you realise that everybody is it, it, there is all the the, the, the Brazilians who were, who were supporting them. And I think if Argentina go through, I don't, I don't, I think, I think, I think the last thing um, anybody wants um, people who worry about the consequences of Brazil going out and whether protests would flare up. It was said to me by a journalist uh, out here you know, months before the World Cup that the best case scenario for for everything passing peacefully was Brazil winning, obviously, and the worst case scenario was Argentina winning. So uh, I don't think um, if if everybody has a vested interest in Brazil getting there, I'm not sure if there's a vested interest in Argentina getting there. All right, listen, we leave it there, Dion. Great to talk to you. Thank you. Thanks, lads. You can see the level of expectancy. Coach. This is the game you wanted a victory, but it didn't happen. What happened? Oh, Pepe's such an idiot. A game that they've been looking forward to for a long time. Where do you where do you think you got it all wrong today? And then Pepe just ruins it for everyone. Thanks a lot, Pepe. You can see the level of expectancy. <laughs> The atmosphere, as Dio mentioned there, there was a great mix yesterday because there were a lot of Brazilian people supporting. But Anytime Argentina plays, great, because you have this, you have, so, you have so many Argentinian fans who are all going crazy, and then you've got Brazilian fans supporting the other team, which will happen again against Belgium. Did you see uh, Diego Maradona talking to Gary Lineker? I on didn't the see BBC? it, no. Um, 
that must have been before the Argentina, or maybe it was the night before the Argentina uh, Switzerland game yesterday, and uh, <clears throat> they were basically uh, uh, Lineker was asking Maradona about the Brazil Argentina rivalry, and uh, Mar- Maradona goes, "They say Brazil and Argentina are brothers." Pregnant pause, brothers, and then he says. Bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, something I was of, we play against Iran and the Brazil fans are shouting for Iran. Another massive pause. Iran? Iran? Uh, it was actually very, very funny. I like it. We'll have two shows for you tomorrow. That's it from us for today. Ken will be back. Uh, hopefully Ken will not still be stuck in traffic this time tomorrow, but I probably shouldn't be making any grand promises right now. Uh, US Murph will also be on on one of our programmes tomorrow to talk about the American effort last night and the impact that it's had over there. But thanks very much in the meantime, Kieran. Thank you all. Thanks for listening. Do check out irishtimes.com forward slash second captains to listen to any of the other shows. Also SoundCloud, uh, iTunes and the Podcast Republic app if you're on an Android. Take care. Thanks again. Meet 2024's most anticipated robot vacuum, Eufy X10 Pro Omni. With powerful 8,000 PA suction and MopMaster's dual mop pads, it keeps your floor sparkling clean. It's the winner of five Best of CES awards, and Digital Trends says it boasts almost all the same features as robot vacuums that cost twice as much. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799.